Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. These guys who run these organizations who talk about analytics, they have one thing in common. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get to the game. Welcome to Vicent's Hardwood Handicappers. As you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? Not a geek. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. What up, folks? Welcome into another edition of Hardwood Handicappers here on Beatson, the Sports Betting Network. Talk. Hey, it's crazy. We're live from Circa right now. There's so many people that showed up to watch Boston and Denver play, right? Everybody showed up for it. No, March Madness is underway. Uh, we are going to keep you. Uh, look at this. This crowd's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, we are going to keep you up to date on this. We are Hardwood Handicappers. We have a focus on the NBA, but we like basketball on this show. So we will keep you up to date on everything in terms of March Madness if you are turning in. To us live right now. Our two guests are going to help us with that as well. Matt Eumann's going to be with us at the bottom of this hour. and to touch on uh, the last game or the last couple of games that will be on the card. Last game, TCU and Arizona. Will Hill, but a fantastic first round in terms of handicapping, will be with us as both will help us look ahead to what is in store for the Sweet 16 and beyond. Some score updates because there's a lot of hoops going on right now, both NBA and college basketball. For those who are listening right now need a score update on what's going on in terms of the brackets. Notre Dame and Texas Tech, a game that we'll be keeping track of uh, very much so because they got a futures ticket on Texas Tech here at 45 to 1. Notre Dame, though, up 49 47 on the eight point favorite Red Raiders. That one closed eight with a total of 133 and a half. That's 407 left to go in the second half. So we'll keep you abreast of that one as it comes to a finish. And we just reached the break between Miami and Auburn. Miami leads 33 to 32 at halftime between those two clubs. So uh, again, it's been a before Iowa State took down Wisconsin, somewhat chalky day with Houston, Villanova, and Duke all winning and covering. But Iowa gives us a little bit of an upset, and we will see if Miami and, of course, Notre Dame can pull it off and give us a little bit of a shakeup here. Now, as I mentioned, it's an NBA show, so let's keep you up to date on what's going on in the NBA because it's a full card today. Uh, The four games that are underway, Boston, for example, as I mentioned, they're up 21 over the Denver Nuggets, 62-41. to Boston really pushing to go over their win total. They can go over it uh, this week if they win every single one of their games. But the Celtics up by 20 now, four over the Denver Nuggets. 40 seconds left to go in the first half. The Philadelphia 76ers, who ended up getting Joel Embiid on the floor, he was listed as questionable today, up 10 over the Toronto Raptors, 37-27. to 67-58, Utah on top of the New York Knicks. That one going down in New York. And the game that we're going to focus on throughout the day, just to keep an eye on it, because it's a pretty big one, at least in terms of what we're going to see on the court, 
The San Antonio Spurs leading the Golden State Warriors 27-16. to Why this game matters? Well, one, the Golden State Warriors, where they win today, can go over their win total. So that's something worth keeping track of. And two, this is the first game since Steph Curry went down with that injury. They, of course, last played um, Boston in that uh, game, I think it was Wednesday night, in which he went down with that foot injury. And that's where I kind of wanted to begin the show. Because as we go through some of the headlines for the day, one of the ones that sticks out is about the Golden State Warriors. Outside of Steph Curry's injury, it's that their young center, James Wiseman, who had been playing for their uh, G League team, was returned to action, has been delayed yet again, according to reports, once again due to swelling in his right knee. Now, coupled with the recent news that Steph Curry is not going to play for the foreseeable future, he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. Uh, this is something that I think puts the Golden State Warriors at the forefront in terms of keeping track of them. Uh, if we talk about it big picture-wise, playoff seeding as we head toward uh, the home stretch here of the NBA regular season, the loss of Curry, I would think, almost certainly means that the Warriors are going to be the third seed in the Western Conference right now as it stands. Phoenix, of course, 57-14, nine games ahead of the Memphis Grizzlies, about 11 to go. Uh, they have all but locked up the number one overall seed in the Western Conference and for the entire shebang in the NBA. Followed by Memphis, who's 48-23, a half-game lead over the Golden State Warriors, Golden State does have the 20th hardest schedule left, right? 11 games left compared to the eighth hardest for Memphis. And John Morant's dealing with a sore right knee. We'll talk more about the Memphis Grizzlies coming up in a couple of minutes. Memphis playing like 500 ball right now. So we'll see if maybe that comes to, come, uh, comes to fruition. But to me, with Golden State, it's about how bad does this team look as we move forward without Steph Curry on the floor. Now, it's an early start, uh, but the... First inklings at this point right now, down 31-20 to the San Antonio Spurs, uh, who, by the way, need three wins to go over their win total. Not a really great start without Steph Curry out there on the floor. Starting lineup today was DeAndre, uh, excuse me, DeAndre Jordan. Uh, no, that would not be good for the Golden State Warriors. Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole. And that's a lineup that is desperate for some sort of point guard, some sort of facilitator outside of Draymond Green, and ultimately off to a pretty slow start here. But I think when it comes to this team, right, if we look at what they are statistically without Steph Curry, it's not a wild surprise that they're off to this poor start against San Antonio. On the season with Curry on the floor, they've outscored opponents by 10.6 points every 100 possessions. Offensive rating a 115.2. Defensive rating a 104.6. But without Curry on the floor, they are outscored by five points every 100 possessions. That's a 15.6 point difference in terms of the net, uh, net rating. Offense, 107.8, not very good. Defense, 112.9, also not very good. Shocking. When Steph Curry's not on the floor, defense suffers. Now, in those minutes, also are some non-Draymond green minutes, all those things. But it is safe to say they are a worse offensive team without Steph Curry out there. And then here's the thing without when two, by the way, without Curry, two and four straight up, three and three against the spread. But when it comes to championship contention, and this is what I wanted to really emphasize here. Remember that in two weeks, Steph Curry is not coming back. He's being reevaluated. And that matters because we have Zion Williamson. We have Joe Harris. Those two names start to ring a bell. Those two guys were supposed to be reevaluated after a certain amount of time. One of them we haven't seen yet in Zion Williamson. And the other, of course, Joe Harris had his season ended a couple of weeks back when he eventually had to undergo surgery and he's going to be done for the remainder of the season. So again, you know, this Warriors team, if they're not going to have Steph Curry out there, they're done. They're done, right? There, there, was, a, there was a chance in which, hey, without, without Draymond Green, you know, Curry gets hot, carries you up to the Western Conference Finals, depending on how the bracket breaks. Without Steph Curry out there, uh, this Golden State Warriors team has no hope. And think about the way this bracket could break, too, because right now they've fallen into the three seed. Well, the Minnesota Timberwolves are only half game out of that six seed at this point right now. We'll get to Minnesota and how well they've been playing at one point in the show, too. But this is not by any means 
sewn up for the Golden State Warriors at this point. So this becomes shaky now. And their their odds have taken a hit, by the way. DraftKings, now 6-1 to one to win a title. Five of the top seven teams on the odds board are Eastern Conference teams at this point. So we're going to keep an eye on this game as it goes along. Golden State Warriors and the San Antonio Spurs because just want to see how this team has reacted, how this team plays without Steph Curry on the floor. Again, the first one since he's been injured. Other news around the NBA as we go through some of our hardwood headlines as usual to open up the show. Patrick Williams set to return on Monday night for Chicago against Toronto. Chicago slowly starting to get healthier as we get closer to the postseason, which is a good thing. The bad thing, though, is that even though they are healthy, Alex Caruso has been back for four games now. Williams comes back tomorrow. By the way, it doesn't sound good for Lonzo Ball. Uh, a little excerpt out of a report from Casey Johnson for NBCS Chicago. While Ball continues to actively rehab the injury, which the Bulls originally said would keep him out six to eight weeks, Coach Billy Donovan emphasized that the starting point guard hit, has hit a speed bump. Quote, he has not responded, said Donovan. There's no setbacks. It's still the same thing. He has not been able to do anything at full speed. And any time we get him close to that, there's discomfort. So I think there's going to probably at least, you know, do you back off and let him rest for a little bit and see if that helps, end quote. So this is not looking good for Lonzo. And it hasn't looked good for the Chicago Bulls lately in any way whatsoever. They come into today, they're desperate for any sort of success. They're 2-8 and eight straight up, 1-9 and nine against the spread in their last eight games. They've been outscored by 8.8 points in non-garbage time minutes per 100 possessions. Their offense, this is the surprising thing. Not shocking that their defense would kind of stink, right? It's the Bulls. We've talked about this. There are indicators that this team was going to suffer on that end of the floor. It's their offense that has been surprisingly terrible over this losing streak. 109.4 per 100 possessions in non-garbage time minutes for the Chicago Bulls. Been absolutely atrocious on that end of the floor. And it has led to this really big regression that they've been suffering from. And if you look now at the standings for Chicago, this is matters, right? They have been surpassed by the Boston Celtics. They are one and a half games back of Boston at this point right now for the fourth seed. They're only a half game ahead of the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are sixth, as you see on the screen right there, if you're watching on vcin.com, and only a two-game lead over the Toronto Raptors, who are in action right now over the Philadelphia 76ers. So now this is a team that at one point was in contention for the one seed in the Eastern Conference that could, if the rest of the season goes poorly as it is right now, that could be fighting for their lives in a play-in, hosting the, hosting the Brooklyn Nets who are going to have Kyrie Irving, of course, on the floor because they'll be on the road. So for them, for Cleveland, it, th this becomes very dramatic, these last 11 games, to see if they can get some sort of success and stave off a team like the Toronto Raptors from surpassing them in the standings. For what it's worth, too, the rest of the schedule is by no means a breeze. They have the fifth hardest schedule left in the NBA, according to Tankathon, the Chicago Bulls do. Cleveland Cavaliers, 22nd, Toronto Raptors, 50th. So everything on the wall right now, as Patrick Williams comes around and makes them incredible, which, again, you have to work your way back from an injury, too. It's not just, hey, plug him in. He's 100% the guy who he was before. It's also getting your legs back underneath you. It's getting used to game action. It's doing all those things. And now, with one of the hardest schedules left in the NBA, you've got to deal with this, too. Uh, speaking of the Nets, too, uh, let's update this. Ben Simmons, no timetable for a debut as a Brooklyn Net. Uh, let's hear from Steve Nash, who stumbled his way through an answer on this one. Any early feedback on how Ben is taken to the epidural? Uh, I don't have any update on that. Going off that with Ben, has he had an MRI since all of this has arisen with his back? I believe he has, but it's, I think that's old news. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. 
A lot of times you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm not sure that it's, I think we, that was a couple weeks ago. Uh, I guess kind of following up on all that, are there like certain benchmarks that you're looking for from him to be able to get back on the floor? Like, I guess what? Are you guys looking for? That's really a question for the medical staff. Like, I don't, you know, the ins and outs of, of his back injury, I, I couldn't speak on with a, you know, great level of uh, education and security right now. So, absolutely nothing. Uh, but this matters for a reason, too, because I mentioned Joe Harris when we talked about teams getting reevaluated or players getting reevaluated. Steve Nash actively, I don't want to say he lied, but he actively misled when it came to the status of Joe Harris. The injury was much more serious than the Brooklyn Nets were letting on. It was consistently, I oh, reevaluated, we'll see all And then sure enough, we didn't see Joe Harris. So at this point right now, the Brooklyn Nets are the Brooklyn Nets is currently constructed. Ben Simmons is not going to play for them. I think they should be viewed as such. And it looks like Kyrie Irving is only going to play in road games. And we're going to actually hit on uh, an excerpt coming out of New York. Uh, one of their, um, we'll call them the higher-ups, uh, had an update on the vaccine mandate and what's going to happen there in New York when it comes to that. And, of course, that ties to the fate of Kyrie Irving being to play at home games. But as you move forward here, Brooklyn with only four games left on the road this season, Memphis, Miami, Atlanta, New York, you should take them as they are at this point right now because I don't think we're seeing Ben Simmons and that mandate ain't getting lifted anytime soon. All right, we'll get back on that. And when we return, not only will you update what's going on with uh, the college hoops, there is a team in the NBA that has covered 78% of their last 23 games. We'll tell you who that is. Decent's Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. Wendy's and Adult Swim's Rick and Morty are teaming up to invite Las Vegas locals and basketball fans to get swifty at the first ever Morty's Mayhem pop-up. Located at Resorts World East Garden Plaza, 
The immersive experience brings the show off the screen and onto the strip with never-before-seen animations of Wendy's Breakfast characters in the Rick and Morty universe and the return of the elusive Pickle Rick, Pickle Frosty. Boom, big reveal on the alternate universe. Fans can also play a life-size game of Poinko, score exclusive swag, and try items from Wendy's delicious menu lineup. You better hurry to check out Wendy's Morty's Mayhem at Resorts World. It's only open today until 9 p.m. here in Las Vegas. Rick and Morty, love it. Now, I would say, I'm going to set the prop of hosts on this network who have watched an episode of Rick and Morty. I'm going to set it like one, and I will shade it to the under. And I am the one that I know. That's a lock. The rest of them, no idea. No shot whatsoever. Anyway, uh, we move on from here to update what's happening very quickly in the uh, game in the waning seconds here. 54.8 left on the clock. The Red Raiders of 54 to 52 over Notre Dame. So we'll see if Texas Tech can hold on. they got one more shot left here uh, at the line. See if they can hit this and make this a three-point game. Ball is up, and it is good. So a three-point lead for Texas Tech with 54.8 left to go on the uh, upset-hungry fighting Irish. So we'll see if the uh, Texas Tech Raiders can please hold on for me, uh, who I hold a future ticket on. So very, very selfishly, we will be keeping an eye on this game. So really quickly, I just wanted to follow up and put the bow on the conversation we were having right before we went to break, which is, you know, the Brooklyn Nets and what's going on there. Notre Dame just turned the ball over, so Texas Tech going to get it back with 46.5 left to go. Kind of evaluating Brooklyn as we go along, and this is like an impatient old man part of me, where I'm like, I'm tired of kind of, kind of having the conversation. Like, what do they look like? What's going to happen? At, at this point right now, as I said when we were going out, you, you should evaluate Brooklyn as they are, which is a team without Ben Simmons and a team that's only going to have Kyrie Irving on road games. And I brought this up because I was reading a Newsweek report the other day, and I wanted to read this to you from the Newsweek report. Quote, the COVID vaccine mandate for private sector employees that is preventing Brooklyn Nets star guard Kyrie Irving from playing in home games and that could impact New York Mets and Yankees players once the MLB season is underway is a, quote, indefinite requirement. Uh, the city's new health department commissioner said Friday, Dr. Ashwin Vassan, who stated in his new position or started in his new position earlier this month, said at a Friday briefing that the city has not set any benchmarks that would lead it to reverse the mandate. So, in other words, this isn't ending anytime soon. Kyrie Irving's not going to be able to play in home games anytime soon. We should stop hoping for it. We should stop talking about it. And as you look at the futures board, if you really still want to get involved, if you want to look at Brooklyn in any way whatsoever in the big picture, you should evaluate them as such. So, that's out of the way. Again, they got four more home uh, road games coming up. Memphis on the 23rd, Miami on the 26th, Atlanta on April 2nd, my wife's birthday, and then uh, New York uh, April 6th. So there's the last four games out of the last 11 that they have on the road. So majority of these final few regular season games for Brooklyn will be at home. With that, I mentioned as uh, two more free throws for Texas Tech, the first one is in, so they got a 56-42 lead there, or excuse me, 56-52 lead with 40 seconds left to go. Um, the team that since January 28th, has covered 78.3% of their games. That is 18-5 and five ATS over the course of 23 contests. That would be the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Timberwolves have been freaking awesome for over a month now. And this is something that is very much worth keeping track of. They get their win over Milwaukee on Saturday, make some 10-1 straight up and against a spread in their last 11 games as well. So not only, because their schedule was pretty soft for a while, right? Like their schedule, they were beating up on you know lesser teams in the NBA, made sense that they were winning games left and right. Uh, but to win some of these games and win them in the fashion that they are, right, dropping 138 points uh, on the Milwaukee Bucks, who, yes, didn't have Giannis Antetokounmpo on the floor yesterday, but still a very good Eastern Conference team and taking it to them in that regard. You got to watch out for this Minnesota Timberwolves team, man. And look at some of these numbers, right? So we got two different categories here. First, the overall 23 games that we're talking about. Since January 28th, a plus 9.4 net rating in non-garbage time minutes. It's the fourth best net rating in the NBA. 
You were talking about an offense that's averaging 120.9 points per 100 possessions in non-garbage time minutes. So the third best offensive rating in the NBA. You're talking about a defense that is seventh in the NBA over that time and is forcing turnovers on a 15% possession rate, which is very, very good. By the way, Texas Tech's going to win this thing. 59-52, 15.8. Another turnover leads to a breakaway dunk. This is a seven-point game with the seconds ticking, ticking away. And we'll see Notre Dame at the free throw line now after a foul and a drive to the basket. So that's since January 28th. Again, fourth best net rating third best offense in the league, seventh best defense, and the third best turnover rate defensively. Why that matters for Minnesota, too, is they kind of, at times, they've kind of experimented with different defensive styles. But one of their biggest strengths has been this really hectic style of defense in which they're hedging and blitzing on ball screens, trying to jump passing lanes, forcing turnovers. Sometimes it's when they're at their best. It's at their most chaotic, but it's also when they're at their best. It's why if you look at some of their defensive numbers, pretty poor in terms of corner threes, their style of defense lends itself to allowing open corner threes. But regardless, when they're turning the ball over and they're playing their style of offense, this is a team to be reckoned with. And then you look at their last 11 games. Again, when they are 10-1 and one straight up and against the spread, we're talking about a plus 16.9 net rating for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Offense averaging 124.8 points per 100 possessions, giving up just 107.9 and forcing turnovers on 16.1% of opponent possessions. And the crazy thing about this recent dominant stretch of the last 11 games is that they did that with Anthony Edwards missing four of those contests. So they haven't been whole for quite a few of those games and yet still are winning things and winning comfortably in a lot of these contests. And now you look at it, they are 42-30. and 30. They are a half game behind the Denver Nuggets at this point right now. A half game for the sixth seed in the Western Conference. Of course, that matters because you grab the sixth seed, you make it to the postseason without having to play in a play-in. And selfishly, of course, uh, I have a postseason ticket on the Minnesota Timberwolves at about 7-1, to so I want them to get into the postseason. was very high on Minnesota throughout the year. By the way, we are final, 59-53. Texas Tech will move on to the Sweet 16. Uh, They will face Duke in the next round. So Texas Tech uh, ultimately does not cover. They win by six, but they will move on to face Duke in the Sweet 16. So anyway, just brought this up to to say, as we look at the play-in race overall and how this thing shakes out, Minnesota is going to be a really freaking dangerous team. And I brought up Golden State earlier. You know, a couple of months ago, I was talking about this. I don't remember with who. It was on the network. A team like Golden State needs to watch out for a team like Minnesota, right? A team like Minnesota who forces a crap ton of turnovers against a team that is last in the NBA, with Steph Curry on the floor, by the way, um, in terms of offensive turnover rate, it'd be a pretty tricky matchup for a team like Golden State. And now, all of a sudden, you're staring at a 3-6 matchup in the face in terms of, Warriors probably locked into the three seed. And if Minnesota can climb their way up out of the play, and again, only half game back of Denver at this point right now. And also, um, going forward, it is worth noting here for the Minnesota Timberwolves, they do have the sixth hardest schedule left in the NBA over 10 games. The Denver Nuggets, who are a half game ahead of them, 14th hardest in the NBA. Memphis Grizzlies, let's talk about them because they were in action earlier today. They played the Houston Rockets, got a win 122-98 to over Houston. Uh, John Morant didn't play. Kind of in the midst of a weird little slump. I thought it was worth mentioning because this is a very popular team, the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, but after today, 8-5 and five straight up, now 6-7 and seven against the spread over the last 13 games. But think about this, right? Coming into today, they have closed as a favorite in every game but one, and they closed as a favorite here today. And even in the one that they closed as an underdog that was on the road against Boston, they actually opened as a road favorite, eventually going off as a two-point underdog. But in 11 of the 12 games coming into today, Closing as the favorite, betters have laid on average 8.4 points per game. It's a lot. It's a lot. And especially in the NBA, that can be really volatile on a possession and possession night-to-night basis. 
And so for me, it was just worth noting that one, John Morant's been a little banged up. The Atlanta game on Friday night in which uh, ultimately he leaves in that contest. I think it was in the second half. He doesn't play today. Doesn't sound like it's anything too serious. Just routine soreness that they want to give him some extra time. They don't play again until Wednesday. So he'll probably play on Wednesday. Um, But regardless, I think it's just always worth noting for anybody who is betting the NBA, especially now where you're kind of just getting into it with these Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or excuse me, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday days, right? Getting a little lax in terms of the betting content because, of course, college basketball is coming to an end, and we're, after this week, going to have nothing Monday through Friday except for NBA basketball and spring training um, baseball. If you're starting good in this and you're thinking Memphis is a good team, I'm in, just realize the tax that you're playing on, on a lot of these teams, especially a team like the Memphis Grizzlies, because you are laying quite a few points if you've been following them regularly. And last thing here to note, because I'm going to get to some of the tanking teams a little bit later in the show. We're going to have Matt Ewens coming up here in about 10. But the Toronto Raptors got a report earlier. Uh, actually, this was yesterday. OG Ananobi is going to miss at least another week for the Toronto Raptors. Fractured finger, isn't fully healed, doing a bit more on-court work. This is from Josh Lewinberg, TSN Sports, 1050 Toronto. Plan is to reevaluate, again, the R word, in the next week. He's missed the last 13 games. Toronto's been pretty average, but... It is worth noting here for Toronto as they too are fighting for this play-in situation and trying to get out. And this battle for the sixth seed is going to be pretty fun down the stretch in the Eastern Conference. They have been really banged up because OGN and Nobi not only has missed the last 13 games and they're like 500, right? They're seven and six straight up, six and seven against the spread, uh, just barely negative in terms of their net rating, 0.4. But Fred Van Vliet has been in and out of the lineup with a sore knee that they've been managing as well, missing six of the 13 games that Ananobi has missed. Uh, Malachi Flynn has been out of the last eight games, of course, as well, with a hamstring injury. And so Toronto coming into today, again, they're taking on the Philadelphia 76ers, trailing by eight right now. They are one and a half games back behind the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are just keeping them at arm's length. And two weeks ago, had a really big win over them, um, despite an injury to Jared Allen. So it's it's pretty fun, like watching these Western Conference and Eastern Conference play in situations and how these teams are jockeying for position. And these last 10 games, every single one matters, man. They carry a lot of weight, especially when they're playing one another. So be interesting to keep an eye on. But as we move forward, uh, we have, again, on our hands, potentially a just catastrophic beat when it comes to a win total and it involves the Oklahoma City Thunder, but we'll get to that in about 20 minutes or so. On the other side, uh, it is Harvard Handicappers. We like basketball here. Let's talk a little college hoops because we're going to keep an eye on this March Madness thing. Matt Humans joins us next. Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. College basketball? <laughs> Come on. NCAA tournament's well underway. We're on our way to the Sweet 16 here, people. Grab a five-hour energy. Stay alert and watch all of your favorite games. Or if you stayed up late, see that intense overtime matchup. we got one more set to tip off later tonight. Take a five-hour energy shot in the morning so you can energize your day. Zero sugar and an unbeatable blend of vitamins, nutrients, and caffeine. It's a perfect pick-me-up for getting stuff done. Go to 5hourenergy.com. Find over 15 flavors to choose from, like grape, tropical burst, cherry, and more. There's a flavor for everyone. Get a five-hour energy today. A man who's always full of energy never needs one of these, although he does enjoy them from time to time. We got him on him. Uh, Matt Humans, nice enough to give us some time today here. Uh, yes, it is an NBA show, Matt, but uh, I think I'd be a fool to completely ignore the fantastic college basketball tournament that is underway. That happens about this time every year. Uh, so, really quickly, big picture stuff from today. Not a banner day for the Big Ten uh, when they go winless up to this point, and uh, Purdue now up on top 15-14 against Texas, but uh, the Big Ten, do I dare say, looking Mountain West-esque today? <laughs> yeah, that what an insult. 
Uh, you know what? We partied pretty hard at the circle last night, so I needed that five-hour energy when I woke up after a couple hours sleep today. But, man, it's been an embarrassing day for the Big Ten. Now, obviously, the Big Ten was only favored in uh, one of those games today, so it's not stunning that the conference didn't uh, perform well. Illinois was a dog to Houston. That Illini team was really limping uh, down the stretch. Uh, obviously, the uh, Michigan State Spartans just didn't uh, – it was not one of Tom Izzo's better teams. To see Michigan State go down to Duke was not a big surprise. But, hey, Spartans led that game 70-65, to and then Duke went on a 15-4 to run and ends up covering because Michigan State fouls down seven with four <laughs> seconds to go. And uh, you had to question that, especially if uh, anybody out there had Michigan State plus seven in the game. Ohio State, a dog to Villanova. None of us expected the Buckeyes to win that game. I thought they'd uh, play a little bit better than they did. So you're talking about Illinois, Ohio State, Michigan State going down. And then I think the biggest disappointment's got to be Wisconsin, which was favored uh, four and a half, about four-point favorite against Iowa State. But, you know, there's – I don't want to make excuses for the Badgers. Chucky Hepburn, their star guard, goes down. He plays 14 minutes, doesn't score in the game. That has a huge effect on the second half. I actually bet Wisconsin money line in the game. When Hepburn went down, I, I played Iowa State in the uh, second half of that one and um, didn't really have to sweat it. You could tell the Badgers were going to struggle to score the entire game. Johnny Davis not having one of his better days. I think he, he finished four for 16 from the field. Uh, Brad Davis didn't shoot well. JVT, the Badgers shot two for 22 from three-point range today, and uh, that's not going to get it done. Even when you're playing in Milwaukee and you might get a favorable whistle, two for 22 is hard to overcome when three-point shooting is such an emphasis in these games. So uh, the Big Ten 0-4, and I think down to just Michigan and Purdue. Yeah, well, and Purdue is uh, as technically they're alive, but they're still in the round of 32, so we'll see if they can move on. But how about that, right? If I would have told you before the tournament started, uh, you'd only have officially at this point right now one team alive from the Big Ten in the Sweet 16, and it would be Michigan of all the teams, Matt, like to catch fire yeah. the way that they have. Uh, you give Howard credit. He's turned this thing around, and, you know, they've had some favorable matchups, but it has been surprising to see them uh, make their way to the Sweet 16, given how the regular season ended and how it looked for them. Yeah, I think the uh... – the, the turnaround by the Wolverines is not stunning because yeah. they got so much talent, you know, and you and I both knew they had a big matchup advantage against Colorado state in the first round. I think what stunned a lot of people is just the way that the Wolverines throttled Tennessee, because if you watched the volunteers uh, the past week, week and a half, you thought, man, this team's playing as good as anybody in the nation. Yep. And uh, the way Michigan locked down on defense and beat Tennessee was really impressive. So that, I think that's what keeps the big 10 from being a complete embarrassment at this point is uh, the league does have about seven wins, but when, when you put nine teams in the, in the tournament, you got to get more than uh, one or two to advance to the sweet 16. So I still think it's a disappointment unless Michigan and Purdue can go on runs and one of these teams can reach the final four. We'll see. Uh, but the, uh, the Wolverines always had the talent, right? They're just kind of like Texas. We talked all season about the most disappointing teams in the country. Michigan was always on that list, Oregon, Texas. Well, Chris Beard's a great coach. He's getting things turned around. And uh, Michigan's got so much talent. The Wolverines are getting things turned around. But uh, this has been a wild tournament so far, man. And I'll, I'll tell you this. You're sitting there at Circa, and you know it. The crowds in Vegas have been outstanding yep. for this tournament. Everybody has uh, come to town and having a great time watching these games. This, this feels like March Madness of old. And 
it's great to see here here in town. Absolutely, 100%. All right, so one of the big surprises, uh, and I don't, I don't think, I think a lot of people, especially the way they got here, so North Carolina is a Sweet 16 team, and now yeah. they, they almost blow it against Baylor. Uh, that was one of those games where I had it on, I had to go do something, and all of a sudden I look at the final score an hour later, I'm like, oh, they, they went to overtime. They had, they had to overcome, but... 47 to 38, that was the number in terms of rebounding, right? That they had a pretty big advantage. I think you saw the missing piece, Jonathan Chambachach, where the Baylor Bears really missed the Matt. So ultimately, North Carolina moves on. And what's interesting about this next matchup for North Carolina, Matt, is the path is there because Jaime Jaquez, of course, he is injured in the last game for UCLA. So we don't know what his status is. And the markets responded as such. Bruins are only two and a half point favorite here. Yeah, and also, uh, before I jump into that, uh, JVT, I want to mention that if you're watching this uh, Texas-Purdue game right now, it's a good time to jump in on live betting and take Texas if you don't have a position on the game. Purdue's up 10, 24-14. Everything's going to Boilermakers' way right now. They're on a run. They're making shots. But I've uh, talked about this all season. You know it. Purdue's a team that blows big leads. Uh, so this is what you're looking for in live betting right now. Jump in and take, take Texas at a good price. As far as uh, North Carolina, uh, Hubert Davis, I mean, uh, going into the last week of the season, if you graded his performance this season, you probably would have set a C. Now it's an A. Uh, so winning at, uh, Coach K's finale at Cameron was huge in this uh, this two-game tournament run that North Carolina's been on where you knock off Baylor, even though the uh, blown 25-point lead was pretty ugly, uh, for the Tar Heels to rebound, to regroup, and win that game in overtime. Very, very impressive. And I it looks like a final four team right now. I know the one thing Mick Cronin's going to fear those Tar Heels team because they're big and athletic. And uh, I, I actually kind of like North Carolina in that matchup. And then coming from the bottom half of the bracket, you're going to have either Texas, Purdue or St. Peter's. So probably Texas or Purdue. So that's what you're looking at in that East bracket is North Carolina, UCLA, and uh, either Texas or Purdue. So at this point, would it surprise you to see North Carolina as a final four team? No, no, not in any way whatsoever. And sometimes it is, Matt, like how the bracket breaks for you. They had a big advantage yeah. on the glass against Marquette. Like we talked about that. I wrote it up on the website. That really came to fruition. And then that helped them out. And two, we should mention in that, that blown lead against Baylor, um, what, uh, what's his face? Uh, Brady Manick was ejected in that game as well, which probably led to them, right, blowing that lead too. He's probably going to yes. be out there. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. So this is going to be interesting. How much is uh, Hakez worth if he doesn't play? Mick Cronin said, uh, what, quote, if he can walk, he's going to play. But that's still an ankle injury for a guy who's had multiple ankle injuries this season. You know, that's always an interesting question because there's different ways to answer that. I'd say, what's he worth to the point spread? Uh, he's probably worth a point and a half. Uh, I, I really think he's the glue to that UCLA team. What's he worth to the flow of the game? He could be worth a lot more. Yep. Uh, so if, you, if the Bruins are without him, I'm going to be on North Carolina in that, in that matchup for sure. I'm leaning North Carolina anyway. Uh, I know you and I were talking off the air uh, we're talking about making some numbers on these uh, second-round games. I really think this Texas Tech-Duke game is going to be fascinating because Duke's got five players who are projected to be NBA first-round picks. All right? And Texas Tech is a gritty, tough defensive team. It's contrasting styles. A Duke team that doesn't defend much, a Texas Tech team that's all defense and rebounding. I, I think that's a, a fascinating matchup. It's uh, Mark Adams against Coach K. I think you have to make Duke based on talent and the fact that uh, Duke is probably power rated slightly higher 
what do you make Duke a one and a half, two point favorite at most? Yep. I think you're going to see a lot of sharp betters want to come in on Texas Tech in that matchup. Yeah, I said when we were talking about it out there, I said two and a half. So we're in the same range. So we'll see if that's going to be the case. Because you know, too, sharp betters will like Texas Tech, but you know that there's going to be some public betters in there uh, that are going to like Duke and the team that is loaded with NBA prospects. Uh, all right. Couple more games, Sweet 16 wise. I want to get your thoughts on. Uh, we'll go Michigan and Villanova since we talked about the Big Ten with you. Uh, what do you make uh, of this match? Villanova, uh, Villanova opens up five with a total of one thirty-five and a half, and we're still pretty much there across the board. Some four and a halfs are popping up though. Well, it's a very similar matchup to Ohio State Villanova. Uh, I think Michigan and Ohio State are very similar teams. Just that uh, Michigan's a little bit more dangerous because you got Musa Diabate and Hunter Dickinson, who are both around seven footers. Caleb, Caleb Houston is a big guy too, who can step out and score. I give Michigan a little bit better chance than Ohio State to take down Villanova, but I think the right number. I'm not taking a position on this game yet, but I think the right number is probably Villanova four and a half. Yeah. So we'll see if uh, I, I think the market's probably in on that. We'll see the four and a half start to appear pretty rapidly. All right, last 45 seconds. Did you have anything on the St. Peter's Peacocks in the last two rounds, yeah. huh? I did. I had St. Peter's plus eight and a half against Murray State because, you know, I was not happy yep. with the way Murray State blew the lead and had to uh, regroup and win in overtime in that first round game against San Francisco. I wasn't impressed really with the way Murray played. So I did play the Peacocks plus eight and a half last night. They obviously get a straight up win. And now the question is how big of a dog will they be to Purdue or Texas in the sweet 16? How about that? I know I'll have to get the official number for you tomorrow. I'll send it in uh, for the edge. But if you look at the shot quality metrics, they probably should have lost the Kentucky game by about 20. <laughs> but hey, You know what? Sometimes it works that way. All right, Matt, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah. All right, you bet. Thanks. See you, man. All right, Matt Humans Again, co-host of The Edge. I'm on that show. All right, we'll come back. Uh, we'll get back to the NBA. Keep you updated here. Auburn, down nine to Miami. Welcome to VEASAN's Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. Welcome back. A reminder, because we are in the midst of March Madness, you can get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24-7 streaming, daily best bet emails, and more. All of that for only $19. Get analysis from our experts. That includes Greg Hoos-Peterson, who's going to follow us after this. Matt Eumanns, who was just on with us. Jonathan Von Tobel, that's me. I do more than the NBA. Tim Murray and more. We have insights on every key team conference player to watch from the favorites to the potential Cinderella sign up today. Get the betting guide plus full access to VSIN through the end of the tournament. That's April 5th for only 19 bucks at vsin.com slash madness. Um, by the way, I appreciate uh, everybody checking in on social media. Uh, we are going to get to defensive player of the year in uh, mere moments in the NBA, but um, Jaron Jackson Jr. with another three block performance. That would be tonight against the Houston. I was going to say Astros. I got baseball in the brain. I've been, like, really studying up, like, the, the Angels. I'm an Angels fan, so, like, you know, the Angels been locking up that bullpen. Looks like it's going to be pretty good. This is about the time of year where I have some hope that the Angels are going to be really good and then check back with me, like, at the beginning of June, and I'll be like, this team bleeping sucks, and I wasted my time. Anyway, speaking of wasting time, uh, the, the Miami Hurricanes are not, although that's a wasted possession, 62-50 to 50, Miami up on top of Auburn right now, 7.56 left to go. Uh, we, this is something we had discussed coming into the tournament. Auburn seemed to be the weakest of the two seeds, given their struggles on the road. First round, that's fine. Uh, you get a matchup that um, the opponent is a little overwhelmed by the size, athletic ability, all, the, uh, all that sort of stuff. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. 
You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but against an ACC team like Miami, it's got some pretty good athletes of their own right. Looks like Auburn's flaws are showing here pretty well. And a 28-18, to 18, Purdue up on top of Texas. So the uh, honor of the Big Ten on the shoulders of Purdue. Can they get two teams uh, on to the next round? In-game right now, Miami 8.5 point favorite with a total of 144.5 over Auburn at this point. And we are waiting in mere minutes. Arizona will tip off their game against TCU. So, uh, before we get to Defense Player of the Year, I wanted to clean up something that I had scheduled uh, for a couple of minutes ago. You know, things get a little crazy. Um, Let's talk about tanking. Let's talk about bad teams. Because I think, and there's like two clear teams right now in the NBA that are tanking, that just want to lose games, uh, that have turned the reins over to the young kids, who don't really care about the results and just want to get one, the young kids some run, and two, want to get some pretty good uh, pieces in place, that would be the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Portland Trailblazers. And look, there's other teams that are kind of going along with this, right? Um, The Indiana Pacers, for example, have really turned things over to some of the young crew. They did that with the trade deadline, though. So they got some pretty good high upside pieces that they have traded for, relatively young team. But it's nowhere near the level of like Portland and Oklahoma City and the things that are happening there. And Sacramento... I guess is still kind of trying to a certain extent to get into the play-in. Although right now they are, if my math is uh, correct, and I'm not good at the fly, but they are six games back of the Los Angeles Lakers for the final seed of the play-in. So let's talk about Portland and Oklahoma City because I think they're two pretty pretty interesting teams to track here as we head down the stretch. Uh, Portland, for example, comes in today having uh, covered three out of four games, staying within some pretty big numbers too at that. Like if you're looking at some of the numbers they're catching, we're talking like 13 and a half, 14, uh, 13 and a half again, 14 and a half. So it, it stands to reason that at some point, right, when you're catching some of these big numbers, you just stumble into a cover because these just power ratings are just getting so low on the Portland Trailblazers. Case in point, they failed to cover 19.5 points a couple of weeks ago uh, or about a week ago. But regardless, 
they've covered three out of the last four. And Josh Hart, to give them credit, uh, Josh Hart's been freaking awesome. He's really thrived as their number one role. Over the last four games, Josh Hart averaging 29.3 points per game, shooting 54% from the floor, 50% from three-point range, averaging 6.3 rebounds, five and a half assists, on just two turnovers per game as well. So he's got the ball in his hands. He's shooting. He's scoring. He's doing everything for them. And he's not even turning it over. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Josh Hart averaging 29, 6, and 5 on 54% shooting from the floor is probably going to regress a little bit here down the stretch. And if you look at, like, the three games in which they covered, right, we're talking about Atlanta, Washington, and Brooklyn. These are the teams that rank 26th, 25th, and 23rd, respectively, in defensive efficiency on the season. So it, it makes some sense that against poor defensive teams, a guy like Josh Hart would be able to score relatively easily, have pretty good contests, and on top of that, the Portland Trailblazers would be able to cover some pretty big numbers because bad defenses are not really the recipe to use to cover double-digit spreads. So you get three out of four covered. Now, the real Portland Trailblazers popped up in a blowout loss to the New York Knicks because to give the Knicks credit, uh, while they're not the greatest defensive team in the NBA, they play a solid brand of defense that would be able to keep a team like this at bay. But what I'm really interested in here is a couple of things. One, Josh Hart, as we said, is probably going to regress. We're talking about a dude who a career is uh, nine point, like nine, what, 10, 6, and 2 in terms of points, rebounds, and assists for Josh Hart. 44% from the floor, 34% from three. So while he's probably going to be a little bit better with the ball in his hands, all these things, uh, you'd expect that those numbers are going to come down. But what's going to be interesting to see here for Portland is in March – Seven out of their eight games have been on the road. So they're catching some of these big numbers, failing to cover a couple of them, play some bad defensive teams. You cover some of those. But what do those numbers look like when they go back home? They're going to have, I think it's a five or six game homestand coming up starting on March 23rd. That's three days from now. And maybe, just maybe, they're going to be a team worth looking at as they get more comfortable with these starting lineups that they've been rolling out there. Uh, They've gotten some continuity there as well. As Auburn almost turns the ball over on an inbounds, (laughs) bouncing the the ball off of players' uh, hindquarters. I will be professional there. But anyway, Portland, as we kind of follow them going forward, it's going to be an interesting case study to see if they're going to maybe start covering some of these big numbers with a long homestand coming up and a lineup that's getting a little bit more comfortable playing together. But I also wanted to bring up Oklahoma City because this is freaking fascinating. So Presti and the Thunder are, are incredible. Like they, they know what they're doing here, and it's brilliant in terms of tanking and losing some of these games. Since February 5th, the Oklahoma City Thunder are 3-16 and 16 straight up. They are 0-8 in their last eight games, coming into this game with Orlando tonight. Uh, right now, on the scoreboard, uh, let's see. Actually, that game is final. So make it 0-9 in their last nine games. The Orlando Magic get a win over the Oklahoma City Thunder, 90-85. to 85, Make it 3-17 and 17 in their last 20 games, the Oklahoma City Thunder. The injuries, right, have ruined the season. Josh Giddy hasn't played since February 24th. Lou Dort was ruled out for the rest of the season. I think it was shoulder surgery, if I remember correctly. Kendrick Williams has been out since February 14th. And what is crazy about Oklahoma City, from a betting perspective, go back to last year. For those who don't remember, Oklahoma City needed three wins over the last 25 games to go over their win total. And they did not. They went 1-24 in their last 25 games for win total betters to hit the under. So if you had an over, you only needed three wins over the last 25. They got one, and you lost that. Well, right now, we got something brewing again. The Thunder were 17-34 and 34 through 51 games. They needed just seven wins over the last 31 contests to go over the win total. They are currently 3-17 and 17 in the last 20. They have lost nine straight, and now need, at the very least, a 4-7 and seven record over the last 11 games to go over the win total. A 4-7 and seven record for a team that is 3-17 and 17 in the last 20 games. 
It sounds like the Oklahoma City Thunder are going under their win total again. A team that looked like they were going to fly over it by their standards, right? A team with a win total of 23 and a half. Uh, but Presti does it again, and he screws over betters. So just something to monitor here. They've actually covered a couple of numbers here and there. Uh, again, tonight, you know, they lose by five as an eight and a half point underdog. But it's absolutely incredible, these win total beats that betters are going to take here on back-to-back years with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Last year was one of the worst win total beats you're ever going to see. This year, it's going to be tough to swallow but you kind of saw it coming with just the way that Presti and the Thunder have handled things here down the stretch. All right, really quickly, Defensive Player of the Year, because we've had a shift in these odds, because what, we had last week off, haven't talked for like two weeks or something like that, but Defensive Player of the Year, Bam Adebayo is now your favorite at plus 115, Rudy Gobert, second choice at plus 150, Giannis Antetokounmpo, plus 650, all of these odds courtesy of DraftKings, by the way, if you're looking at the screen, you see them right now. Robert Williams, 11-1, Mikael Bridges, 12-1, Jaron Jackson Jr., 16-1. Uh, got to talk to Raheem Palmer over the Action Network, covers the NBA on the uh, Harvard Handicappers podcast. The episode came out on Friday. And we talked a little bit about Defensive Player of the Year. And it, it, like I always say when it comes to these awards, it always helps to take in the content of the guys and gals who have votes. And almost every single bit of media I have kind of taken in when it comes to Defensive Player of the Year, it's kind of hard to find like people actually talking about this award because it's so subjective and it's really hard. It's all over the place. Some people... Even, like, take the Celtics players, for example. I was reading one report, uh, like, one column, excuse me, that had Marcus Smart as a defensive player of the year, right, for the Boston Celtics, their best defensive player. This one columnist's opinion. I read another column two days later that Robert Williams was the linchpin behind the defensive prowess, right, of the Boston Celtics. So all over the place, you're getting these opinions about who is the defensive player of the year. Bam Adebayo right now, because of liability building up, is a favorite to win this award at plus 115. What I find really interesting, though, is Bam Adebayo climbs the board as Rudy Gobert misses games, but Bam Adebayo has still missed more games than Rudy Gobert. So if the market's reacting to the fact that Gobert's missing time, it's pretty interesting given the fact that Bam Adebayo has still missed more time than a guy like Rudy Gobert. So all of this to me, when you're looking at the awards market, when you're looking at Defensive Player of the Year, when you're wondering... Where's the value? What what shot are you taking? Because I, and I said it on the podcast on Friday. I've kind of res, I've, I've come to I've come to accept the fact that Jaron Jackson Jr. is probably not going to win this award this year. Giannis Antetokounmpo plus six fifty because the one consistent name that you hear in conversations around Defensive Player of the Year has been Giannis. And while this team has been kind of limping through the regular season, the way he improves their defense on a night to night basis when he's on the floor has been absolutely incredible. But Defensive Player of the Year, just to say, it is wide open. Like, I don't think that a guy like Bam Adebayo should be a plus-115 favorite. I think all these guys should be in the range of four or five to one because you have no idea who's going to come out on top when it comes to this award. All right, we'll come back. We'll start to take a look at Monday, as we usually do in the second hour of our program. And also coming up in about 20 minutes, Will Hill is going to be with us. VSIN contributor, points with weekly contributor, host of the New York City cast. Get his thoughts again on the March Madness tournament that is underway. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.